Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Welcome to everybody. I want to welcome everyone again who's streaming the service uh, online. And uh, yeah, a little bit different service today. When when the service is over, we're going to invite you uh, to step out onto the other side and take a, a closer look at some of the groups that we got going on. Uh, Lauren and John sharing their story. We have just found uh, over the years uh, at Community of Hope that there is a significant power uh, that comes when you are connecting your life with other lives in a circle that uh, is challenging your faith. And we try to do our dead level best to um, create spaces to gently uh, invite you into that. We're, we're never coercive. We're never judgmental, but just an opportunity really for you to think about that. And when you feel like that's the next right step for you, we are behind you and ready to help you do that. We have learned uh, so often uh, over the years at Community of Hope that bigger faith has grown in smaller uh, groups. And so uh, this morning with that, uh, now that in front of us, um, we are going to jump into, we are in week two uh, in our series. We're calling the series Best Year Yet. Say it with me. Best Year Yet. And what we're doing is we're taking the natural momentum that we feel at the new year and we're moving it into a conversation about deepening our faith. This is always a natural time. I've been saying this. uh, This is always the time when many of us are making resolutions. We're thinking about commitments. We're, 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 you know, kind of dusting some routines off in our lives and establishing some new fronts in in that way. And uh, we try to take the natural idea around that uh, at Community of Hope and leverage that toward kingdom work and leverage that a little bit about growing in our faith and all that we believe that if you're going to have the best year yet, that's going to be a part of it. And so what we're doing is we are taking uh, a conversation that the Apostle Peter had, and the Apostle Peter, arguably many for many of us, uh, our favorite disciple, because we can understand and we can identify with him. Uh, Peter was the kind of disciple that had these moments of incredible faith. Uh, he was just this guy that would charge at, he took no prisoners, right? He would just had this incredible faith. And then in the very next experience, he was the guy that would put his foot in his mouth. And so I, I know, you know, we can all identify with that, right? Some of us more than others. And so this is an important thing. And so uh, we are using sort of as a rudder uh, in our series um, as a theme verse, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I want us to read this out loud, really loudly in the room. 2 Peter 1, 3. Ready? Go. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So here's Peter in this particular moment in, in his life, this particular season, and, he's, and this is what he's saying. He's reflecting back on his experience with the risen Christ, and he's saying this, God has given me every single thing we need to live a life that brings uh, honor to him. 
And I'm excited about that. And, you know, there's some words in there that can get a little, um, be a little confusing. The word godly, that's, that's a word that sometimes is confusing. And I was thinking about this, and I thought about um, the message translation. And if you don't know what that is, it's a paraphrase. Eugene uh, Peterson wrote this many years ago. It's a paraphrase uh, of the scriptures. And so uh, this is a tremendous uh, expression. In 2 Peter 1.3, this is how he says it. I'll put it on the screen. He says, this everything Peter writes everything that goes into a life that is pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who has invited us to God and I love that to live a life pleasing to God how many of you want to live a life pleasing to God just go ahead and make a moment of self-confession how many of you want to live the kind of life that when you stretch and you step across your life from uh, earth to heaven, when you go from here to eternity, you uh, face a living God who says, well done, good and faithful servant. A lot of us are aiming at that. I can tell you I'm aiming my life in that direction. And this is what Peter is inviting us into. He's a perfect trail guide for us. I was mentioning last week, we got to know him first in Luke chapter five, his brother Andrew introduces him. And uh, remember, um, uh, Peter has been fishing all night. He's a fisherman by trade. He's caught nothing. He got skunked. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the shore, and Jesus says, uh, push out, drop the nets onto the other side, and he drops the nets on the other side. He catches more fish he's ever caught before, and he says, depart from me, Lord, for I'm sinful. And that's our introduction to Peter. He's a perfect trail guide. I was talking to Beth this week, and she made this observation. You know, I'm the one that does all the sermon work, Right. And so she comes to me and she goes, you know, Dale, I was thinking about this verse. She said, it's interesting that when, when Peter, when Jesus invited Peter, have you thought about this? When he invited him to, 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 to throw the nets on the other side, he said this. He said, you need to push. He said, Peter, push out further into, into the deep. And right when my wife said that, I thought, you know, I've spent all week long working on this message. <laughs> you come along, drop solid gold. Ugh, I hate when she does that. I was tempted to say, yeah, I thought that, but it wasn't really a great point. So, you know, I went right to my office, wrote it down. God, skunked again. But anyhow, but Peter is telling us these things. And here's what he wants us to know. If you're, if you're taking notes, this is what I would ask you to think about uh, in this moment. And this will catch you up to speed uh, from last week. Here's what Peter would say. Peter would say this. He would say, God's promises are complete. Say it with me. God's promises are complete. His promises are true. Four of us. Great. Okay. I wasn't real clear. But here's the other thing. Here, here's the other thing that Peter would say. Our faith is incomplete. Say that. It's incomplete. So God's promises are complete. Our faith is incomplete. And so we're building the whole series around really what he says in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 5. I've placed it in your notes there where he simply says this. For this very reason... For this very reason that God's promises are complete, but your faith is incomplete. For this very reason, make every effort. Do all that you can. Leave no stone unturned. Take every opportunity, he says, to add to your faith these things. And then he gives us this wonderful, glorious, challenging list. And so the, the, the assignment that Pastor Trevor and I have undertaken in this series is we're going we're gonna to have a conversation about every single thing Peter says we should add to our faith. And it's quite a list. 
There will be some things that are going to really be exciting. There's some things in there a little challenging. There's some things we're going to learn about this. But I thought, you know what's interesting? That I thought, you know what, before, before we really talk about adding to our faith, I think we should talk about our faith. Because before we really add stuff to our faith, I, 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 what I want to do is try to get us all on the same page about actually what faith is anyway. And so I thought that this morning it would be a great opportunity uh, to talk about. There are these verses that help us. And uh, I want to show them. You could write the reference down. You could read them later uh, on uh, this afternoon. I would commend. Uh, that would be a great exercise to do. But, but let me just help us a little bit. And I want to show you tension. And I'm going to build off this tension. So uh, first of all, if we have to understand what faith is, uh, the writer of Hebrews gives us a definition. Maybe you've seen it before. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Here's what it says. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's, that's the definition of faith. I, I learned it as a, as a young follower of Jesus this way. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. That's what's in my brain. And so, 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 so the writer is, is giving us there a definition. He goes on a little bit later, and in, in Hebrews 11, chapter 6, he says this. Without faith, look at this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Wow. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he, being God, exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So uh, that's an important verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him has got to believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So there's some definition. Now, here's the thing I want to say. Not full clarity. We don't, we don't have all the clarity there, but we, we get some clarity. But then we read these other verses, and these verses can, if we're not careful, they can confuse us. And, and this is really what I want to build my talk off today. It's really this idea where James is writing. James is the half-brother of Jesus. We often say that because, uh, you know, Jesus was born of Mary and born of the Holy Spirit. James was the brother of Jesus, born of Mary and Joseph in the same family. And so James writes this in the book that bears his name. He says this, so when you ask God things, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord because such a person as that, they're double-minded. They're unstable in all they do. And he uses these Greek words that, that, that communicate the idea that your mind is divided. Your mind is divided. And so I thought about this because, you know, that's, that's confuse, confusing. So is, 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 is he outlawing doubt? This is something we ought to consider. And I thought to get into this and help us understand a little bit, I, I thought I would begin by uh, playing a game of what I call opposites. So we're going to play play this game. Uh, and the opposites, uh, really what I'm going to do, for those of you a little more uh, gra grammatically focused. These are antonyms. Anybody know what an antonym, antonym is? I'll get it right in a minute. Okay. I'm going to say a word. You're going to say the opposite. Make sense? Okay. So let's, let's try it out. Hi. What? The answer is low, everybody. 
I have to tell you, this week I was, see, now here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get home. My wife is going to go, you should have probably done this. It will be the better idea. I will lose again. But anyhow, so I'm going to start this. This is not, this is not a big challenge yet. You're going to say the opposite. Okay. All right. Let's, let's try it again. Everybody focus. Ready? Good. Better. That was better. Okay. All right. Loud. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let me try to pick the simple ones I wrote down. Up. Thank God. Okay. Before. Safe. <laughs> Actually, the minute I read that, I thought that bombed at nine. I should not have even done that. All right. All right. Dark. Great. Faith. Did you hear it? I tell you what, this is a little squidgy because I thought I built my whole talk on this and if this doesn't work right, this is going to be an awkward 25 minutes. So, so let me say it again. Faith. That's what I think. I think a lot of us think the opposite of faith is doubt. And this is what I want us to have a conversation about. And what I want to do in, in, in helping you talk about faith I'm going to begin with doubt, and I want us to, to move into this, this space. Now, here's the thing. Here's, here's the goal. Uh, when, I want you to put your thinking cap on right now. This, let's go to school a little bit, because here's what I want to do. I want to dig a well. We'll drink from the rest of this series. But if we're going to do that, we're going to have to do some, let's, let's lay some pipes down. Let's build a framework, okay? And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this uh, idea. And I want to give you four statements that I've come to believe about uh, with respect to my own journey, my own walk with Jesus that, I, that have been helpful to me, that I'm trusting in this space will be helpful to you. If not after the service, I greet you can tell me it didn't help you, okay? Uh, here's the first one I want you to write down if you're taking notes. I have come to believe that doubt is an inescapable part of the human condition. I think whatever we might say... I think, and I've come to believe that doubt, part of, of, of doubt is what it means to be a human being. I, I was reading, I remember uh, years ago, reading from uh, a theologian and philosopher by the name of Michael Novak, who says this, doubt is not so much the dividing line that separates people into different camps as it is, quite honestly, the razor's edge that runs through every human soul. I think that's true. Maybe this is why in the Bible, uh, Jude, who was writing, Jude is the second to the last book in the Bible. It's like a page. It's only one chapter. You don't even have to say chapter. There's only one chapter, so you don't have to say Jude one twenty two. You can just say Jude twenty two, and this is what the author writes. Jude says this: "Be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful." Ever had a doubt? Uh, let me illustrate this. Um, when I got married, there was no um, doubt free guarantee that I was making the right decision. 
uh, and that I could have married the wrong person and Beth might have messed it up. I mean, honestly. I mean, just relax. Just relax. Um, but it's true. When you, when you think about life sometimes and the way that we, we you know, sometimes what is required of us uh, is a leap. We, 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 we often listen to what we say in our culture. We refer to those leaps as leaps of faith. Here's what I find interesting in our culture. We talk about honest doubts, but leaps of faith. Interesting, right? But when I, when I married Beth, there was no guarantee. I mean, I, I, knew, I knew I wanted to get married one day, and I, and I knew the, the person that I wanted to marry. But there was no guarantee that, that she wouldn't mess it up. And there was no guarantee that I wouldn't mess it up. Let me show you a picture. <laughs> Does that look like a guarantee? <laughs> there ain't no guarantee in that. I, I still feel like God bless her father. I just think, good <laughs> gracious. Um, but here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. This is what I'm pointing out. If you wait until all doubt is removed, this is what I know. You're never going to get married. You're never going to take a job. You're never going to have a child. You're never going to make a friend. And you're never going to trust God. Ever. Years ago, a couple centuries ago, there was a guy by the name of William James, and he, he wrote around an idea. Some of you have heard me say this before, uh, about the framework of what makes us come to believe things. And he says, um, really, we, we have to come to believe things when... Um, Three things are involved, and you maybe want to write this down. When, when, the, when the opportunity is live, and by that he means that there's a serious possibility that the thing we're considering is true. you got to make a decision, because the thing you're considering is true. When it's momentous is the second thing he said. I've never forgotten this. And, he, and what he writes about is this idea that there are a lot of things that doesn't really matter. You know, chocolate ice cream, vanilla ice cream, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter, all of that. But there are some things in our lives that are momentous, like marriage, for example, where there's a lot required in that. I mean, that's, that's not, do I like butter pecan or do I like pistachio? There's more involved in that. And then he says, thirdly, when, when the decision is forced, meaning to not decide is to decide. I mean, some things are life or death. I mean, you can't, be, uh, uh, you can't be partly alive and partly dead. It's either life or death. The, the decision is forced. you got to choose one. can't be pregnant or not pregnant is really the only option you got there. And he said, These are, this is really true. And so this is the thing that I always think about uh, in this moment, that, that part, of, part of what it means to be human, I, I think, is to have doubts. Doubt is the inescapable part of the human condition. There comes a moment when we all have to step. This is important. Now, here's what I want to say that compounds this. Let's, let's bring another tension in the room. 
Remember, we're, we're, di- we're doing some deeper work today. Here's the other thing I would tell you if you're taking notes. I have come to believe, secondly, that uh, all people live by faith. Whether you're religious or not. Whether you follow Jesus uh, or not. Sometimes as a pastor, I hear people say things like this to me. Well, I wish I could have faith like you, but I can't. Is that really true? It's not, not true. I have, I've had people say to me, sometimes they'll say, hey, you know, I, I think some people live by faith. Some people live by reason or logic or they leave, live by only what can be proven. And uh, I, I, I don't think that's true. And so, so here are the two tensions that I want to bring in the room. I, I think doubt is part, what it means, uh, doubt is part of the human condition. And I think also uh, all people uh, at various stages live by faith. Let me, let me show, you, show you what I mean by that. Many of you all know we're kind of candid with our lives. We try to be transparent. Many of you all know that we have a daughter and uh, son-in-law who, have, who just this week opened their brand new Chick-fil-A. Uh, it's, it's live. And I, I want to show you a picture. Here we are. This is us on the day they are about to start. And let me show you, tell you what's going on here. This is me making the first purchase. This is the first dollar. And if you look real closely, this is yet one more time, yet again, me giving money to Shelly. <laughs> it just seems to never end. It's going to go on forever. And here it is. She's so excited to receive it yet again. Now, sorry, just picking on her. Here's, here's the thing I want to tell you. There, there was a moment down there, uh, we, we, we went to the dedication deal, and they dedicate the store to the Lord. And then, uh, then we go, and the ribbon cutting and all that. And, and Mom and I were down there, and let me, let me just be candid for a moment. There was this moment I had as a dad. Uh, I'll try not to get choked up here, but I thought, she's launched. <laughs> You know, the, the possibility exists that I might not have to give any more money. I mean, it's, it's out there. There's hope. There's hope. And, and, I, and honestly, you guys, this is a thought that just kind of went across my brain in these moments when, when I was watching them do their thing. And I went down there all day long, and I said, I'll just come down and refresh beverages all day long. That's just what I'm going to do. And I went down there, and there was this one moment that I thought, there's no place on earth I'd rather be right now, than in this spot. Now, I, I, I thought of that. Now, here's, what, here's my point. I can't prove that. I can't prove that. I mean, you wait for a scientist or philosopher to prove that statement, that, that can't happen. It's a, watch this. It's a faith statement. Philosophers, in fact, call these statements, they call them basic convictions. I can't prove it, but watch this. There's every good reason to believe that it's true. There's no place I'd rather be. And we make these statements all the time. Let me give you another one. I, I think all, all children deserve to be protected and loved. I can't prove that. But there's a good reason to believe that that's true, right? Let me give you another one. All people are created what? Equal. Can't prove that. But there's every reason to believe that it's true. Do you see what I'm driving at? Just as part of the human condition, I think sometimes, is to doubt, 
part of the human condition is this general idea that, that all of us live by faith. When people say, uh, you live by faith, I live, I live by reason, I want to say, no, you don't. You live by faith. We make these statements all the time. Now, if that's true, if that if that's true, then what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do with that? And how do we press further in? I mean, here we are. We're having a conversation about faith, and we're digging a well. We're gonna drink from Paul. Uh, Peter's gonna say, "I want you to add all these additional things to your faith." If we're gonna do that, first of all, we gotta know what faith looks like and what it is. And so, so I've come to this understanding. Uh, I I really believe uh, this third thing. Maybe you would write it down. I believe. That, that actually, if we do it the right way, doubt can make our faith grow. But it all really determine, is determined by what we're going to do with our doubt. We're not talking about the idea that we're not going to have doubt. We're talking about the idea of, of when doubt shows up, what do you do with the doubt when it shows up? I, I remember a very visceral experience I had. Some of you have heard me uh, share this. In 2008, my father uh, passed away pretty, pretty suddenly. Uh, I remember going, our, we always had a tradition, we would go to spring training ball games together. And I remember taking him to a str- spring training baseball game in in March of that year, and he was diagnosed with uh, this condition called pulmonary fibrosis, and they had dropped off oxygen at his house. He was I remember having a conversation with him at Roger Dean Stadium where he was, where he was upset that they had doctor had dropped oxygen off at the house. He didn't feel like he needed it, all this kind of thing. I mean, literally 90 days later, he was gone. And, 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 and I, I, I did the funeral for my father, and, and literally like two weeks later, I took a team from our church to Costa Rica. And we've been building a missional uh, relationship with a ministry down in Costa Rica. And our goal at Community of Hope is to build kind of a turnkey opportunity for people who are wanting to explore international missions. We don't, we don't take them to some of the other places that we're partnering with yet. We take them to Costa Rica and let them get their legs underneath them a little bit, right? Get their sea legs underneath them. And I was over there in Costa Rica and my, to be honest with you all, my mind and my heart was, were, were reeling. My, my dad was like a hero to me. I was just, Felt like I'd lost a rudder in the water. And, and, and I'd gone over there, and I can remember getting up. Every day I would get up earlier than anybody else would get up. I would get some coffee. I'd, I, where we were staying, I was able to kind of position myself over this little ridge and look down sort of into the city, and the other way I could look out into the jungle. And, and I, can just rem, I can just remember in that experience just crying out to God about all of, all of this loss I was feeling. And here's the interesting thing. I felt an impression from God tell me in that season, this is what I, I wrote down. Now, this is what I wrote down. Now you have, Dale, the opportunity to practice what you preach to your congregation. And, and this was a moment for me where everything that I'd been preaching, everything that I'd been learning uh, uh, about what happens when we die and all these, all these many other things that are going on, uh, it, 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 here's the thing. It, it, became, it became real to me in that moment, as it should have. And, and I was able to plumb in deeper ways the depths of what Peter's writing when he says, all of God's promises are true. 
Now, here's what I know. Some of us are in here right now, and you're asking yourself that question. And that, that to even ask that question is, is the manifestation, if even in a small way, it's a manifestation of doubt. And so here's, to quote my wife, push out, push out into deeper water. And I, I want to make sure that you don't misunderstand me. I, what, I, what I found as a result of that experience that I believe God by his precious and tender, merciful Holy Spirit led me into was a conversation, yet again, that all God's promises are good. And so now I can preach with conviction and maybe in some ways, you know, that I'm not the salesperson. I'm the satisfied customer, which is different. And so if we, if we leverage this the right way, doubt can make our faith grow. Uh, sometimes I, I talk to people who are overwhelmed by guilt because they sometimes uh, doubt, and because they doubt, they feel like they're not good Christians. And it leads them to a temptation to fake it. And here's what I want to tell you right now in this room. Do not ever fake your faith. Don't do that. It's corrosive and toxic to the development of your relationship with Jesus. And, and, and I'm just going to push a little bit further. We, we as Christians sometimes are notorious for that. Do not do that. One of the things I love about Community of Hope is this, this desire to be a place that never, ever, ever, ever does that. Bring your doubt, bring your question, but explore it. Explore it. I remember what God through the prophet Jeremiah said many years ago. I'm going to show that on the screen. He says this, God's saying, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. You bring all your heart into a place like this. A Christian pastor and theologian, Greg Boyd, says this, if faith is the absence of doubt, it makes learning extremely difficult because anytime we learn, learning actually requires the element of doubt. And it is this very element that very much looks like doubt that causes our faith to grow. He said, this is a very opposite idea of what Mark Twain said years ago when he said faith. Mark Twain said, faith is trying hard to believe what you know ain't so. That's not what we're talking about. It's coming into a space, being willing to learn, being willing to try, being willing to, to push out uh, into the deep. Now, I want to share... One other thing that I think clears a lot of these things up real quickly, taking notes. Here's the last one. I've come to believe that faith is not the absence of doubt. It is the presence of active trust. There it is. So, so when James, the half-brother of Jesus, was talking about this, here's what he's saying. All of us can still have intellectual questions, but here's, here's what I want to remind us in this room. You can have intellectual questions, but, but what God by his spirit is aiming that all of us step into is that we would never, or we would all reach this place that never again, that we, that we mistrust the character of a loving God. He wants us to trust him. 
Now, I've shared this before, but when I was growing up, I wasn't as muscular as I am now. <laughs> I was uh, a skinny runt. And I've, I've, I wrestle, if I don't eat a lot, I just get real skinny real quick. I'm one of those people, you know? And uh, when, when I was growing up, uh, my, we, we lived in a neighborhood in Tampa that was just kind of hewn out of a, a citrus grove. So uh, we had a, a, a big property, and my dad, we had citrus trees everywhere. My dad was from uh, Massachusetts, and so he just took all this novelty, this idea of like coming to Florida, and we have citrus, you know. And so he, he babied these, these trees. We had, I mean, he fertilized them, he took good care of them, and then when it would come time to harvest the fruit, uh, my dad would take the skinny runt in the house, that's me, <laughs> And he had this aluminum ladder, and he would uh, uh, extend this aluminum ladder, and he would hang it into the tree. Some of you remember this story. And, and he would ask me to climb to the top, and we would pick the fruit from the top down. And I would throw it down to my brothers. I would throw it down to my dad. And then, because I was so skinny, when my, when my dad was, when I was through with this tree, he would just make the ladder stand up straight, walk it over to the next tree, and drop me in it. You get arrested for child abuse now if you do that. <laughs> but here's what I want to draw your attention to. Every, when he would do that, I have such vivid memories of this. My dad, the whole time he would do that, he would yell out to me. This is what he would say. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. No worries. It's all right. Occasionally, he'd go, don't look down. I got you. And he'd drop me in. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Think with me about this. The possibility always existed in that moment that, that, that it could go horribly bad. And it, here's what I want you to know about me. If, if it did, it wasn't my father's intention. And he was there. And really what was going on in that moment, it was kind of a theological thing that I didn't realize at the time where, where my dad was just simply reinforcing the idea, you can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. This is what faith is. This is what faith is. I looked at some examples. I'm just going to give you the references. You can look at the story later. And, and agree or disagree, this is what I think is going on. Mark chapter 5. Jesus is going to heal Jairus' daughter, who is dead. Everybody, everybody is telling Jesus, hey, she's been dead for a while. You're saying, and Jesus shows up on the scene. What does he say? Ah, oh, she's only sleeping. They're making fun of our Lord. And Jarius, the dad, is a little confused about this. Look at this statement that he says, Mark chapter 5, 36. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told Jarius, don't be afraid, only believe. Mark chapter 4, verse 40, Jesus has just calmed the storm raging around the disciples. Listen to what he said. They're fearful. He says to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child, so they were not afraid of the king's edict. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. By faith, when he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw in his heart the one who is invisible. See, here's what Jesus is wanting to do. He's wanting every one of us, even where we have doubts, every, even where we have questions, just suspend ever misunderstanding or failing to trust in his character. One writer says it this way, will not the Lord of all good do right? We live in this tension. Faith is a simple manifestation of trust toward a loving God. And this is what he is asking of you. And this is what he is asking of me. And we do it in real time. What I want to do before I send you out is I'd like to pray for you and I'd like to give you an opportunity to manifest trust. And, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then in, in a moment, a real quick moment here, I'm going to invite you to just, in your own mind, in your own heart, tell him the very scenario right now where you need to trust in his character, where it looks like it's, it's kind of unclear. And, and you're going to be given an opportunity to just, just ask him. It's sort of like that wonderful story about the person that he healed when when uh, he, Jesus asked him, do you believe me? And he said, you remember it? He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is what we're going to do in this moment. So what I want to do, this is kind of a routine for those of you who might be new. We just, we invite you to prayer and we invite you to just put your hands on your lap with your hands turned upward. It's just sort of a, a, a demonstration to God that you're open and receptive to what he would say to you in this space. And given that idea, let's pray together. God, I thank you this morning that you are here and that you hear our prayers. And because you're a loving father, you, you know the circumstances that many of us bring into this space. There might be a circumstance of unforgiveness. There may be a circumstance of addiction. There may be a circumstance of grief and loss. There may be a circumstance where where somebody has broken their word, there's a relational issue, there are deep questions about life and faith. God, we, we are human beings and, and you have created us and you know us. And so in this space, we, we come to you and we want our faith to grow. And so God, right now, would you hear our prayer as we, we tell you the very area in our lives where we need to learn to trust in your good character, hear our prayers as we speak them to you. Lord Jesus Christ, we believe 
Help our unbelief. For we pray together in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a round of applause because God is good. All right, would you stand with me? Next week, we're going to run on the track that we just built uh, in this room. Don't miss it. But now I want to send you out and say, go in his grace, go in his love, his unconditional love for you. Take a moment, if you will, and check out the tables out there. And if you've already done that, you're in a group, take a moment to go up and introduce yourself to someone you may not yet know. There's a lot of people in here. Go in his grace. We'll see you.